We're going to continue our Transform series today. It's going to be a little bit different. In, the, in that, I felt like bringing out my chair again like I did last week because I feel like I'm just sitting down today and just telling you a story. This is kind of a story of what has happened to me over the last six weeks or so during sabbatical. And, but, but first, I, I just want to just kind of start off and just lighten it up just a little bit. How many of you guys are bad at, at noticing details? Anybody just want to go ahead and admit that? Let me just, I mean, I don't want to like stereotype, but there's a stereotype for a reason, at least for me. Let me just stereotype myself. If you try to describe somebody by like what they are wearing, it's worthless to try to do that to me because I do not pay attention to any of that. And maybe that's just a guy thing. I don't know what it is, but there's been several times that uh, people have tried to describe. You remember they were wearing this and that and I'm like, I got got nothing. I got nothing. Sometimes my wife would be like trying to describe somebody to me. You know, the person with the glasses and like, I, I got nothing. We've known them for 10 years. Oh, they wear glasses. I didn't even know, right? The other day, she was reminding me of a story of, of when she was asking about somebody. She's like, did you notice her haircut? I'm like, no, I didn't notice any haircut. And she's like, half her head was shaved. I was like, I didn't know. Like, I just, I got nothing, right? But how many of you guys have ever been in a, in a situation where it's like you thought somebody should notice something you changed. You know, we had those words about change, which by the way, you're going to see, they just go right with where we're going today. But uh, have you guys ever had something in your life where you thought, why didn't God notice that change in my life? Right? I mean, he knows everything. Why didn't God notice that change? So this is kind of the story of how that happened to me. And I've shared with you guys this before, but You know, 2020, back in 2020, there was a lot of things that God revealed to me personally, things that I thought I'd already changed, things that I thought I'd grown in maturity in, that just my my reactiveness, my like different things that were down on the inside of me started to come out. And I was like, I thought I was more mature than that. I thought I had worked through those things. And I'm not even going to ask for a show of hands if anybody identifies with that, but because I don't want to be embarrassed if it was only me, but... It definitely was me, and so out of that, I just really just felt like, God, I want to be different. I want to grow. I want to grow in my love for people. And so over the last few years, I really believe that God was working in me and that I grew in a lot of areas. And, and many of you guys know my father-in-law passed away recently, and a lot of you guys were so, so kind and so good to us to come up to us and to ask us how we were doing and to to take care of us in different ways and to show your love to us. And, and normally, if you've ever been in a situation like that, it can be exhausting to like have people constantly, especially like when you're in a position like I am where it's more of a public thing. And a lot of people, there's a lot of people throughout several weeks that do that. It can be exhausting to, to go through that. But even in that situation, I just felt like, an expanding love of God for people. Like, I'm part of the body of Christ, and it's almost like I had an obligation to the body because I'm such a part of it, to even in my pain, to open up my heart to you guys. And, and I was so thankful. And I just, my heart, it, it, to the point where when we went on sabbatical, I remember being here that Sunday, that last Sunday as we were leaving, And I felt like Paul in the book of Acts in Acts 20 or whatever it was, where it's like he had to tear himself away from the people. And I just felt like I I just had to tear myself away from you guys to go away for six weeks. 
And can I just be honest, my sabbatical in 2018 was not so much that way. <laughs> I was at the point where I just was tired. I just, I had just been overpeopled, at, if you can say it that way. And so, but this time, I, even through all of this, I just had a hard time pulling away from you guys. And, and so as I sat there on my back deck during my sabbatical many, many days with my Bible and just, just talking with God, in the first couple days, God shared this word with me. And he said to me, he said, Sean, you have a hard heart. And I thought, but God, how can that happen? Haven't you noticed the details of all the things in my life that have changed? Like, look at all of this stuff that's happened. I, I mean, I even had a hard time pulling myself away from people. How can you say I have a hard heart? I've grown. I've tried to make, you ever tried to make your case before God? <laughs> it's like, but God, like, you even know. Like, don't you even recognize what you've been doing in me? You're like, you should know this, right? And he said, you have a hard heart. And I said, how can I have a hard heart? I've been growing so much. And he explained it to me this way. He said, and I, I'm not saying this as a theological statement. I'm just telling you how he explained it to me. He said, there's two compartments to you, Sean. There's this one compartment, which is your day-to-day, everyday life. It's, it's your everyday interactions. It's not necessarily surface in a bad way, but it is one layer of your life. And in that compartment, you have grown immensely over the last couple of years. But there is a, another compartment. There's a core compartment. It's a part of your life that, is, that transcends the day-to-day. It's a part of you that's at the core of who you are. And in that compartment, your heart has been hard. And so I'm going to give you some thoughts on a hard heart today. Or some thoughts of what you can do if you find out that you have one. And the first one is this. You can have a hard heart and not even know it. Because I thought I was growing so much. And God came and he said, you have a hard heart. I didn't even know it. So we're in this Transform series. Let's go to Acts chapter 22. If you remember from last week, Paul was essentially being accused of a lot of things. He's being carried off literally above the crowd by all the soldiers to be taken away in prison and also be protected. And he's asking, can I have a word with the people? And so they give him a moment to give a word to the people. And what he does is he takes an opportunity to share his testimony. But he starts clear at the beginning. He starts before he was saved in verse three. He says, I'm a Jew born in Tarsus in Cilicia, but I was brought up in this city. I was educated at the feet of Gamaliel. And he's like one of the most famous rabbis. He's like, I, I, have a credential, I have credentials and a resume that you wouldn't believe is what he's saying. He's like, I've been following after the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I have the resume according to the strict manner of the law of our fathers being zealous for God, as all of you are this day. He's like, I know exactly what you're saying. I know the passion that you have. He said, I persecuted this way. Now, that way there is talking about what they called the Christians at that time. And he's like, I persecuted the way because they were against what we believed. He said, I persecuted them to death. I was binding and delivering them to prison, both men and women. And even the high priests and the whole council of elders can bear witness. He's saying, my resume was solid, that I was passionate, just like you are, about the things of, of our Father, of God. 
And he's like, I even received letters to the brothers and I journeyed towards Damascus to take those who were all there and bring them in bonds to Jerusalem and to be punished. The point is here is Paul is making the case before he was saved even, he thought he was doing a good thing. Paul thought he was doing the right thing. Paul even believed he was doing the most godly thing that he could do. But Paul didn't know that he had one of the hardest hearts on the planet at that time. But in that moment, he felt like he was doing the right thing. So you can have a hard heart and not even know it. You see, sometimes you have a, a hard heart simply because it, is, it seems normal. Because everyone else seems to be the same way. And sometimes you can have a hard heart because it seems necessary. Because as you look at your life, it seems like this is the only way I can be. And so this is the way I must be. You can have a hard heart and not even know it. And so I was asking God, I was saying, why is it that I have a hard heart? How can you say I have a hard heart? And he's like, he explained the two compartments. And he said, at your core. And I said, but what does that mean? And he began to explain to me one of the ways that it happened to me. And he explained it to me this way. Now, this is my story. This is not your story. But some of you guys might resonate with some of this. I'll just tell you how he explained it to me. And he said, he took me back, all the way back to when I was a young, young uh, boy. And as a young boy, I was about 12 years old or so, I felt like this calling to ministry, even at a young age. I felt like a calling to lead and to, to do these things that essentially I'm doing now. And that's why we believe so much in our kids' ministry everywhere, because God is speaking, amen? God is speaking to their hearts, even at a young age. And so at a young age, I knew this. And so everywhere I would look, I would be looking to try to figure out, God, if you've called me to this, what does that look like? And can I just tell you that this is the way God showed me, that time and time again, through many leaders that I had and many pastors that I had, many situations that I entered into, every time I would look to something that would try to, that would try to resemble my calling, what I found and what God revealed to me is that over and over and over again throughout my life in different situations, I was led but not cared for. And I could take you to situation after situation where I, I and so what happened is I began to associate without even knowing it. I began to associate what it meant to lead in the kingdom of God as only one way. So I began to see, well, God, you've called me to this. You've called me to lead. And all of these situations I find myself in, this is the way. Now, I never would have put it that way. I never would have told you that I didn't feel cared for because I would have overemphasized the fact that I was led, that I was being led, strong leader, right? And so I wanted to be a strong leader. And so what happened is over and over again, God began to reveal all these times and situations where I felt led but not cared for, led, but not cared for, led, but not cared for. And without realizing it, I began to, at every turn that I had opportunity to, I began to align my life. Every opportunity I had to make a decision, I let the tumbler fall into place to match that model. Led, but not cared for, because that was the only thing I had seen. And it happens in a way that you can't recognize all the time, right? Led but not cared for. And so God began to reveal to me, he said, 
caring is leading. And this may be completely, <laughs> completely known to you guys, and I knew it in a lot of ways, but every, every example that I looked to, every book that I would read, I'd read through a filter of one type of leadership. But I, for the first time, I had that thought, that caring is leading. And as a result of these years and years and years, I didn't realize that I was, I was beginning, I, I had all of my time, I'd been leading, but I'd been fighting underneath. I'd been trying to care for people, but it, it was fighting against the only thing I knew and the only way I knew to lead. And so God revealed you have been led but not cared for, and as a result, your heart had been hard. And so I sat there for weeks. How many of you guys ever, like, realized, like, why didn't I know this, like, years ago, right? But I think what had happened is I had gone through enough. I've been pastoring for, I don't know, a couple of decades now. And I'm just done with doing it an old way, you know? And so, again, I'm just being really raw, really honest with you guys here. But I sat there and I said, I began to have a conversation with God. I don't want to, I want to care. I want to lead in that way. I want you to show me how to lead. And God began to reveal the second thing about when you realize you have a hard heart, he began to prepare me for this. And I'll just prepare it for you because some of you guys are recognizing things in your life that need to change. It doesn't have to be the same thing. It can be anything, but here's a truth that you can apply to anything. And it's this. People will resist a new you because people benefit from the old you. There are people right now, well, let me just put it this way. Let me just put it to me. I, God started to reveal to me, there are people who will have a hard time resisting a new you, Sean, because there are people who benefit. There's predictability in the, current, in the old you. There's safety in the old you. There's something about me that, let me just say this, I'll just say it in a weird way. There's something about me, if I have ever led but not cared in this way, there's something about that that you've actually benefited from. Because there's a safety in there. I've always been the type of person who would, as I said last week, who would stand up and say the hard thing. And many people benefit from that and cheer that on even if it's unhealthy at times. Because there's a certain safety. Some of, some of you may have even been attracted to this type of church or my type of leadership as a result of that type of attitude, right? And, and I'm not saying, but please hear me, I'm not saying there aren't times when you've got to stand up and say the hard thing. I will continue to stand up and say truth and to say I, I'm not backing off that one bit. But I, I'm just telling you, that there's a safety and predictability that happens when you get in certain environments. And many of you guys stayed in, in oppressive environments too long because you somehow benefited from it. And so any change you want to make in your life, any new that needs to happen in your life, 
There are people that are going to resist that change because they benefit in some way from the old you. And that certainly was the case for Paul. I mean, he tells them about where he was, and then he tells them about his salvation story. But then look what happens in Acts 22 to 17. He says, when I'd returned to Jerusalem and I was praying in the temple, I fell into a trance and saw him saying to me, make haste and get out of Jerusalem quickly because they will not accept your testimony about me. It goes on in verse 21, it says, and he said to me, go, for I will send you far away, far away to the Gentiles, because it's not going to be good for you here. And up until this word, he's telling the story, up until this point, they listened to him, and then they raised their voices, and they said, away with such a fellow from the earth. I love that phrase, away with such a fellow from the earth. Then they raised their voices and way with such a fellow from the earth for he should not be allowed to live. And as they were shouting and throwing off their cloaks and flinging dust in the air, I mean, they are worked up. They send him away to be flogged. He was not being received. The new Paul was not welcome, right? Why? Be- people resisted the new Paul, out, some out of fear. The new Christians resisted because of fear, because they disbelieved him. And then his old crowd resisted the new Paul. Why? Because they benefited from the old Paul because Paul was destroying their enemies for them. Any change you want to make, people are going to resist that because people benefit from you staying where you are. People benefit from you staying small and not being new. Why? If anything else, there's a, com- a, a comfort that they have where you are. There's a familiarity. And, and you changing challenges them in such a way that they don't want to be challenged at times. Because if you stay the same, that subtly gives me a pass to stay the same. But if you start to change, it challenges my comfortability, and now I feel obligated to change by comparison. And so most people would rather you stay just like you are, in its flaws and all, because people benefit from that. And so I had inadvertently, without even knowing it, I had attached my calling to this led but not cared for in my heart and didn't even realize it because at that top compartment, I was growing so much. But God wants to do something at such a deep level that your default settings change. And so I had a hard heart on my car, didn't even know it. Why? Because it felt wrong. There was a part of me that knew something was off, but it also felt so right at the, at the same time because it seemed like a lot of people liked it. And so during all this time, Actually, before sabbatical, this seed was planted out of the blue. But then during this time, I started to listen to this song. How many of you guys ever uh, remember the band Petra or listen to the band Petra? Okay. There was this song uh, that, that I, God reminded me of. And I listened to this song literally a hundred times, probably more. And it's not particularly a great song as far as like if you just go to listen to it. But I, I endured it over and over and over again because God was speaking something to it to me through the song. And so I've asked the worship team if they would play it for us so they can come at this time. But what I really want to have happen in you, and just kind of, again, you're entering my story. And so I'm going to bring you into the story. And this is what I heard probably a hundred times. And I just let these words saturate my soul because I just sat there many, many times. And I was like, God, I don't want a hard heart don't want a hard heart. God, please take my hard heart. If there's any part of it, I I want a soft heart before you. I want a soft heart before people. And if you recognize anywhere, if you connect with anything I'm saying today, 
just let these words, just let this moment be a God moment for you and allow these words just to penetrate, not that upper layer of you, but to penetrate that deep, deep level as we listen to this song. team a big hand. They, they learned that on the fly. So I am, I just felt led to say this. I'm deeply sorry if you've ever experienced a led but not cared for Sean experience. Because God can take something and make it brand new. And so we see that again in Paul, Acts chapter 22 we back up just a little bit, here is his salvation story. He laid out his resume and then he says, but here's what happened to me. He says, as I was on my way and I drew near to Damascus, about noon, a great light from heaven suddenly shone around me and I fell to the ground and I heard a voice that was saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And I answered, who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. This is Paul's great transformation story. He's blinded, he goes into the city and a man named Ananias begins to prophesy to him in verse 15. <clears throat> it says, for you will be a witness to, for him to everyone of what you have seen and heard. And now why do you wait? Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins calling on his name. This is Paul's great transformation salvation story. I mean, you guys are so thankful. Many of you guys have a salvation story. It may not be as dramatic, but it was just as dramatic on the inside, right? He was saved and transformed, dramatic salvation. And many of us have experienced that dramatic salvation. Can you just think for just a moment what it was like before Christ in your life? And then think about now how he's come in and, and the change that he has made in your life. But here's a question. Is that where it's supposed to stop? Because salvation is a very dramatic experience. But is that where it's supposed to stop? See, Paul had a saved and a radically changed experience. And many of us have a saved and we've been radically changed experience. But how many of you guys, when you got saved, you still had a long way to go to be transformed into the image of Christ, right? There's a long way to go. And as dramatic as salvation was, there's still a lot that still needs to happen even after salvation. But aren't we the type of people that believe that God can still transform us even after salvation, right? That God, we can grow. We don't have to stay where we are. We're the type of people that believe that anything is possible in Jesus Christ, right? Here's a question, though. And this is a question God laid on me during sabbatical. How many people... Do you know? How many followers of Jesus do you know that you could say are totally different? Okay, followers of Jesus. How many followers of Jesus that you, that you could say are totally different now than they were five years ago? I'm not talking about because of salvation. I'm talking about how many believers do you know 
that you could say five years ago, they are totally different than they were five years ago. Now they're just totally different. I'm sure there are people in your life that you can say, yeah, some different, but radically, totally. And I started to ask, I was like, wow, I can't think of very many. Shouldn't I be able to think of some? Think about your own life. How different are you now than you were five years ago? Some? Yeah. Totally? Why? Shouldn't we know as believers, if we believe in transformation after salvation, and if we believe that we serve a God who's anything's possible, and we know that we are so far away from being conformed in God's image, why is it that I don't know hardly anybody who I could say, rewind the tape and say five years ago, there's been dramatic transformation in them so much so that I could say they're totally different in that area of their life or any area. Why? And here's one of the reasons I, I believe God revealed to me, maybe this doesn't apply to you, but it revealed to me as to why, because this was very concerning to me, especially as a pastor, when I'm supposed to be helping that happen in people. And when I can look around and say, I don't know, I don't know why that is. And here's what he laid on me. Life transitions have replaced kingdom transformations as a means and a measurement of spiritual growth. So what happens is I think even after salvation, what most of us think of as our primary vehicle of spiritual growth, ha- growth happening in our life, we may not have said this, but if you honestly look at your life, probably the spiritual growth that has happened in your life is not so much by a kingdom transformation as it is, yes, you're walking with Jesus, but a life transition happened and it forced you to mature in some way. So if you're a child and you go from being a child to a teenager, just the act of, trans, of your life changing in that way, if you're walking with Jesus, it causes you to have to adjust. It causes you have to, just because of that transition, now you have to do things a different way. And many of us could look back on our life and say, oh, I've grown, I've matured. You go from being a teenager, let me just speak to you young adults. Young adults, you're not a teenager anymore. But come on, can we be honest for just a moment? Because the, you, the moment you, you transition in that transitionary period from being a teenager to a young adult, you have matured, there is no doubt. But the question is, why have you matured? And for many of us, it's simply because we've had to face new situations in life that it caused us to start to adjust things in our life and we had to mature, we had to get with Jesus because of a life transition. You go from being a young adult, maybe single, to being married. I guess, oh, that'll cause a change, right? So some of us, we get married. Instantly, you have to make adjustments and you make changes. Now, we, a lot of us don't, don't take full advantage of that opportunity, right? And we stay immature in that area. But there's a part of you that has to, if it's going to work at all. You go from being married to having your first child. There's a part of you that has to mature instantly or in some ways, you're just forced to. And because you're walking with Jesus, hopefully you do that in a way that's godly. How about this? You, you get a new job that stretches you a little bit. That's a life transition that forces you to change in some way. You have some painful 
interruption in your life. It forces you to change. But I want you to see all of those are life transitions. So how much of our spiritual growth has happened as a result of life transition? And that's not a bad thing. That's a natural thing. And we should take advantage of those things. But what I think has happened is that we have set the bar too low in our expectations of what God can do in our life. And we set the bar too low and we've become satisfied with slightly better, incrementally improved versions of our old selves. And it's, it's like we've, we've adopted a New Year's resolution type spiritual growth model. And that ends up what's being preached and lived. That we have these goals in life that we'd like to be better. And so sometimes we're good at it and sometimes we're not. Sometimes we stick with it, sometimes we don't. But it's a New Year's resolution type God that we've experienced. But is that the gospel? I just, I'm, let's really wrestle with this today. Is that the gospel message? Is that, I mean, we believe that the power of God is just as available at salvation and after salvation. We serve a God who is a resurrection God, a God who when we come into salvation, we have to die, we get buried, and we get resurrected into new life. But we still serve that same God after salvation where there are things in us that still need to die and new resurrections can happen in us, right? We serve a God of new creation God who doesn't just bring new creation at our new birth, but he also can bring new creations over and over and over again throughout our walk with him over and over again. We can have new births in him. But again, we don't know too many people. I don't know too many people who I could rewind the tape five years ago and say, oh yeah, oh yeah. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16 says, But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. So we could just look at that as salvation. When you come to Christ, man, something happens. It's amazing. Now the Lord, and begins to describe the process or the elements. The Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. When you get saved, freedom happens. You get set free. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory, and this, this is now describing after salvation, are being transformed. Transformed, there's that word, transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord whose spirit. What he's saying is the same spirit of God that was present at salvation is the same spirit of God that brings freedom as he did at salvation, as he will over and over again after salvation. That there should be many moments in our life where we experience these transformations that happen that are not a result of life transitions, but they are a result of kingdom transformations of the freedom of the Spirit so deep and so powerful based on what God could do. And so this was what God, what God was speaking to me. It's like, you have a hard heart, but I can set you free in this area. And so I began to, this is what I wrote down in my journal. I'm just going to read you my journal entry from one of the days on my sabbatical. And just receive it because I, I think it's, it's going to apply to you guys too. But here's what I wrote down as these revelations were just coming to me. I have total permission to be different. I am able, despite what other people say, regardless of others' experiences of me, 
and others' expectations of me, to have a used-to-live type experience, to have a used-to-be story, even after salvation. I am a new creation. I live the new creation life. I walk in resurrection possibilities 24-7, 365. I am not resigned to live better versions of my old self, but new versions of my new self. Any Sean is possible through Christ. And all of a sudden, I just had this revelation. Any Sean is possible. I am not limited by anything that has happened to me. I am not limited by all those tumblers that I put in place along the way. I'm not limited. If I serve a resurrection, new creation God, that means there are no limits. Any Sean is possible. And so here's, here's my last point, and I'm gonna just let you fill in the blank. You can just put that up on the screen and you need to put your name there. Somebody needs to hear this so bad. I wish I could go around the room and just say every single person's name. But I want you to hear this in a prophetic way because I do believe it in, in its prophetic, that it is prophetic of you if you receive it. But I could go around and I just want you to hear this over and over and over. I just want you to repeat this. You might even just say it under your breath right now. You could just say, any Sean is possible through Christ. Any Sean, any Mike is possible, Right? Any Megan is possible. Any Joseph, any Andy, any Chris, any Linda, any. I just have to open up to God. So God was dealing with this over and over again. Just leave that up on the screen for people for just a second until the next verse. But I was, I was, God was doing all this amazing work. Can you just imagine how much freedom I've been feeling, but also just wrestling with all this and so it was Monday morning, almost two weeks ago, I was getting ready to come back. So I, I returned from my sabbatical on a Monday morning and I'm doing my devotional there out on the back deck where I'd had many conversations with God. And I'm getting ready to come back in here to the church. I hadn't been in the church for six weeks. I hadn't been in this building. And I was getting ready to return back, to come back to do this. And I'm reading my devotional and I just happened. You love those happened type moments. Just happened to be reading in 1 Samuel about how God was working with King Saul. Of course, we know later on he had a hard heart, but God was doing something in this moment. But I was reading in 1 Samuel chapter 10. And again, this is my story, but just, I'm just telling you my story. 1 Samuel 10, 9, this is what I read as I'm getting ready to come back. As Saul turned and started to leave, God gave him a new heart. And all Samuel's signs were fulfilled that day. Can I tell you, I just heard it almost like a narrator telling a story, but I heard it this way. As Sean was turning and started to leave, God gave him a new heart. And all the signs are coming past. I, I was like, I don't know how much confirmation I need to hear what you've been trying to get through to me all sabbatical. But I heard it in, 
And just like I was a part of a story and I was just being carried along, fulfilling the narrator's wishes of the story. And I want you just to know that if you will allow yourself to be carried along, you can fulfill the narrator's wish of the story. And I kept reading the other verse. I talked about Ephesians 4 last week. It's because I was reading in this. In Ephesians 4.18, he said this, in, in, and I was reading this, and it just was so highlighted to me. It says, their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life that God gives them because I, they had closed their minds. And I, for some reason, I'd never seen this phrase in Ephesians 4, and it just happened to be right there as I was reading it. It says, they, they're hardened their hearts against him. But I kept reading. In verse 20, it says, but that isn't how you learned about Christ. Since you've heard about Jesus and you've learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes. But that isn't how you learned about Christ. You don't have to let your heart be hardened, is what he was saying to me. I've given you a new heart. Listen, if you want a new future, there has to be a new you. If you want to change, see, so many, many of us, we want things to change in our life, but we don't want to change. But I'm just telling you, your dreams are on the other side of change. Your dreams are on the other side of the new you. But you have to allow God to put a new heart in you. You have to allow God to change. You see, what happens is for most of us, if you were to look at the spiritual growth graph, graph of our life, it would be the steady incremental growth at best through life transitions and just the steady following. And that's great. Faithfulness is great. But you know, if, if we really believe that God is a God of resurrection and transformation, your growth graph ought to look like this and then have a spike in it and then look like this again and then have another spike in it. There ought to be transformation moments, transformation seasons, where not through your own effort, not through life transition, but simply because of your openness to God, God does something in you and creates a fruit of the Spirit in you and a transformation in you and a resurrection in you that somebody, it, listen, if you see me five years from now and you haven't seen me since today, my prayer and my, ex, my full expectation is you will come away from meeting me saying, Wow, Sean is totally different. I am surprised. Not because this version is so bad, right? But because there are so many things about us that can be conformed into the image of God that is left to be done. And that transformation can happen so powerfully, so much, so deeply, that it ought to shock somebody about how loving you are towards people. You see, can I just tell you my, my prayer? For myself, my hope and my prayer for myself, one of the, the big ones for me, is that one day I want to be the most encouraging person that you have ever met in your life. But can I just be really honest with you? I know for a fact that who isn't who I have been. But I believe one day, maybe even five years from now, Somebody will meet with me and they'll walk away from that meeting saying, you know, Sean is the most encouraging person I've ever met. Not because Sean's so great, but because Christ in him is the hope of glory and has brought transformation. So the worship team can come back at this point. 
And I just, a lot of times I just do what I see as I'm in prayer. And I ask them to play that song that they played already, just as a way to kind of respond and to agree with the song that I'm not gonna let my heart be hardened. I'm gonna keep it broken before Jesus. And as they play this song, I do want, I, I just, I wanna open up the altar for anybody who feels like I need to respond in some way. For some of you guys, it might be like Saul, you need to, or like Saul in the New Testament, that you need to give your heart to God and have a transformation. Others of you guys, there has been fallow ground in your life that needs to be tilled up. There's been a hard heart in some area of your life. Come on, if you can't give up the hard heart in this place in an anointed presence of God moment, I don't know where you're gonna do it. Maybe it's gonna have to be a six-week process by yourself like God had to do with me on a back deck somewhere. But man, if, if God is stirring your heart right now, why not today? And I'm not trying to compel somebody. I, I, I don't, I'm, I don't, the only, my only heart is for you to have a transformation. But I just felt like for somebody, it's gonna take a stepping out of where you are and stepping into new. But I want you to hear this today because somebody might need, need to hear it just like I heard it. You might need to hear this, son, you have a hard heart. You might not even know it, but today I'm revealing it to you. You might need to hear, daughter, you have a hard heart. But today I wanna, I wanna start the process of giving you a new one. If you give it to me, I'm the God of resurrection. I'm the God of breakthrough. I'm the God of transformation. I'm the God of new creation. And listen, if, if I as the pastor of the church <laughs> have to say that, don't be ashamed if you need to as well. Because God can take whatever is hard on the inside of us and he can give us something soft, brand new, so that you can one day say, man, I am totally different, even after salvation, because of new creation life in Christ. Would you stand up with me? If you need to respond in that way, uh, the altars are open, or you can do that at your seat as well. But let's just give this moment to God and just, God, we just, this is a holy moment because it's a set apart moment that your presence is in. And so would you confirm your word in our hearts? And if there's any part of us that we need to give to you, Lord, we offer it up today. So do in us what you want to do in Jesus' name. Amen.